0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. If you're uninitiated with the concept of Power to the Pod, it's our version of a mailbag. I am putting the show in all of your hands. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. We got Thursday Night Football tonight, so we are ripping a big old monster energy drink this evening. Making sure we're ready to rock and roll. And uh, we got a lot of iTunes reviews. We're doing this live on the YouTube stream. See a bunch of you guys popping in already. Please feel free to drop your... Miami Dolphins related, or not Miami Dolphins related, questions, hot takes, inquiries, uh, whatever you want to talk about. This is your opportunity to kind of take the wheel on the show, and I'm just steering this thing wherever you guys want to take it. We're going to start with some reviews of the show, courtesy of uh, iTunes Reviews. Got a number of reviews, uh, five-star questions that were left. We want to tackle those First and foremost, and then some constructive criticism about the melodramatic tone of the post week three contest against the Raiders, which I always appreciate a little constructive criticism from time to time. We'll see who drops some constructive criticism of the Dolphins, because I'm sure that's exactly what we're going to get in the chat. So let's let's take the walk, shall we? First review comes from Kurt Millions. Kyle, love the show as always. You do a much better job at staying optimistic than I do. So thanks for that question is, would you not blame this coaching staff for the woes this team has had with everything? They knew the offensive line was terrible coming into the season and they did nothing to sure it up to which I would counter with uh, that's more player personnel, not necessarily coaching staff. They did take some low risk swings of the bat, but obviously nothing materialized the way that they thought it would uh, just kind of explaining the thought process on how we get here, not justifying where we're at. Obviously they didn't know which way to go with the offense. Uh, the re- which is the reason why they try to go with two coordinators. The team hasn't had an identity since the wildcat offense. To me, it seems like we've had talent and still do we just not have the coaching or front office it has been that way for years. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I do think Miami has tried to establish something of an identity. I think Uh, their version and iteration of that is probably a little utopian in that, you know, they say they want to be multiple on any given week, right? They want to run inside zone and then they want to run gap power and then they want to run outside zone, depending on what the opposing team is going to give you on any week. Well, when you go after certain kind of offensive linemen, they're not going to execute all of those schemes uh, to the highest degree, right? And and, uh, I think you're seeing – the identity that they have adopted, at least with Tua Tungvaloa at the helm, um, they want to be an RPO-oriented offense because that's what Tua does best. And there's pros and cons that come with that. And I think finding balance has been the biggest issue in how to implement uh, different concepts. And obviously, Travis Wingfield, who used to do uh, this show before I did, uh, did a great look at... um, when Miami has gone with tempo or the possessions that they've taken at the end of halves or the end of half of, or end of game uh, the production that they've had when they've had to play fast um, the depth of target versus when they're in kind of their eight minute offense, if you will, you know, there's, there's two minute offense, four minute offense, you know, those are tempo oriented approaches to moving the football when they're not in that mode, like they shell up big time. And why that is, I don't know. It's not sustainable. I don't think they're going to try to maintain it to be sustainable. Uh, you, you monster, uh, in the YouTube comments, very clever SpongeBob play. Definitely never heard a SpongeBob pun with the last name crabs before asking how's Pearl. Very clever, very clever indeed. So, uh, Kurt, I hope that answers some of your questions. I see some, uh of smatterings uh including from meth don't you mean three coordinators no no and and i understand the perception of charlie fry as the guy in the headset he's just relaying the call so i know that that's kind of a a running joke on for dolphins fans is oh we've got so many guys involved in the play call and uh you got three offensive coordinators and i know Trent dilfer went on i think it was rich eisen and said that charlie fry was calling plays and but two out of the three coaches that the Dolphins have faced this year have said George Godsey's calling the plays. So for my money, I'm going to listen to Bill Belichick and I'm going to listen to John Gruden uh, because they've, they've kind of pieced that together. Next iTunes review it comes from MK fan for life And he wrote, he, she, don't want to assume, Kyle, thanks for all your hard work. Why does our offense continue to look mediocre? Is it due to our offensive line issues forcing us to settle for quick and short passes, or is it the lack of creativity by our offensive coordinators? <sighs> yeah. Um, I'm waiting for the offense they ran in the preseason to show up. And I don't know if that's, you know, that that's usually not the way this works. Right. And that's not a good thing uh, because the offense that they ran obviously against Atlanta, um, had good opportunities to attack down the field. We saw the chunk plays. Obviously, we had one against Chicago as well, uh, with the, the the deeper Mike Geseki throw. Uh, I'm sure the pass rush doesn't help. Uh, my running theory here is, and Brian Flores kind of alluded to it. He he said, you know, at the end of every game, we want to coach a game that's going to have us at the end of the game to be in a position to win the football game. And I guess. Technically, the Raiders game like played out that way, but like nobody wants to coach it that way. You got sport spotted fourteen points, right? Um, th- so they're not gonna they're gonna try to prevent negative plays. And but this is what I when I talked to with Joe Rose on WQAM earlier in the week in the morning, I said you're getting the negative plays when you run the short stuff. So you might as well open the offense up and at least threaten and see if you can get them to loosen up a little bit. So. Uh, That's a dynamic with this offense that I think is um, probably something to do with why we see them approaching offense the way that they do. Um, Do I like it? Not necessarily. I'd like to see them be a little bit more open with the offense. We'll see what, um, what week four brings. Next review of the show comes from Supper Rash. Kyle, thanks for your insight. Uh, never played football, but have been a Dolphins fan since the mid-70s. Don't recall the Super Bowl years, but was lucky to see all of the Marina era. Can't imagine. That must be nice. I was born in 89. Having said that, it's been way too long for us, and as fans, we are getting used to expecting the worst, which I agree with wholeheartedly. How coaching... Uh, thought to surround a rookie quarterback with an inexperienced offensive line is perplexing. I wouldn't be surprised if we let go of two and we watch him excel on another team. The trade deadline is approaching. How about targeting a quote unquote real right tackle and making sure making that team an offer that they can't refuse. Here's the thing about offensive linemen that that's hard with this. Scarcity is real. Finding quality offensive linemen is not easy. And obviously some teams have greater success in developing offensive linemen in-house. I think there is a dynamic here that um, this is still a young team. Uh, This is a team that I think outperformed everybody's expectations for the most part last year um, with all the youth that they had. So we maybe got a little spoiled with the way we started last year. Um, That doesn't make it any easier to see the struggles that the team has had early on this season. Uh, when all of us kind of bought in and or at least most of us I certainly bought in had high levels of expectations and hopes for for what this uh team was going to bring in 2021 um i don't i don't know what kind of offensive lineman you're going to find on the trade market obviously taylor decker's like the buzzy name because detroit's expected to stink this year um and they've got a lot of money invested in the offensive line now you want to put him at left tackle i mean he's getting paid 15 million dollars a year or something like that like he's going to play probably left left tackle you don't want to bring that guy in and then ask him to change to the right side of the offensive line so this is really tough uh it's a tough position to be in at this point in time and and hopefully throughout free agency and player trades and and the draft they'll have opportunities to continue to tweak but only after we get a bigger sample size and body of work on the guys in house, because I do like Liam Eichenberg. I think Liam Eikenberg can be a fixture on this offensive line. I think Michael Dieters played pretty dang good. uh, And I still have very high hopes for Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson. I'm not particularly optimistic on and Solomon Kinley seems like the coaches are down on. So we'll, we'll see what that evolves uh, like as we continue to work through the season. Uh, Ryan jumping in here with another, Fun question. Kyle Pressing question. Would you describe your current hairstyle as a mullet or a 70s suave thoughts? Uh, You guys tell me, I mean, it's got some body in the back, which if you knew what my haircut used to look like for the last couple of years, uh I'm just having fun with having hair. Uh, and I went with a real high end tight, um, almost full bald look, kind of look like a skid mark, honestly, but uh, my friends over at Roman, and this is not a podcast sponsor. This is this is a real application of the products from Roman. Their hair care products helped me kind of, whatever you want to call this, it's up to you guys, but I'm definitely rocking all retro. It's fitting since we're going down to Miami this weekend, uh, and they're, we're anticipating them doing the throwbacks with the throwback. You know, it, it appears as though the old school logo, uh, is going to be in play for uniforms. Everything I'm doing is old school stuff. Uh, I'm going to have like the '80s sunglasses, uh, some kind of cutoff, some Zubaz shorts. It's going to be a real good time. So uh, I should not be hard to find if you're going to be at the stadium. Um, and I've already had a couple people hit me up, and I'm looking forward to, to link up with as many people as I possibly can down there in Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, Juju five-star review of the show. Love the podcast. Love your real and honest takes on the team. Do you think this will be our GMs last year? If our late first rounders don't start performing better. I think Chris Greer is probably the one who's most aligned to be in the hot seat. Um, they drafted for need in 2020 and they did so at such an extreme uh, that Austin Jackson, you know, he's going to have to really inspire with his play down the back half of the season, um, or back three quarters of the season. And Noah he just he can't dress, and that look continues to look worse and worse and worse. So when you build your platform on building through the draft. And then you draft for need, and those players don't materialize. That like that's a really hard pill to swallow. And if you asked me amongst Dolphins regime, who's on, you know the the hottest seat? Yes, it probably is Chris Greer because Miami has invested a lot. I'll say this for Chris Greer though: the the vision for Miami was not just, hey, we're going to pool and collaborate a bunch of draft picks, right? It was also our vision is to have Long term flexibility and the Dolphins do have long term flexibility. They have a lot of spending power, they don't have a lot of guarantees, uh, prorated into the future with the way that they've structured their contracts. So, that is a dynamic of what is different with this team now than what it was run when it was Tannenbaum or Hickey or Jeff Ireland, like all those guys. Miami was kind of up against the cap year over year over year, and you had to just defer money down the road. Just to bring guys in, so uh, it's not all bad. But yeah, those draft picks are are a real black mark on his resume right now. That that if this team falls flat and you know Stephen Ross feels there's changes that need to be made, then that's probably the first place that pressure is going to uh, pressure is going to apply itself. Is unfortunately Chris Greer. Uh, here's the constructive criticism that I, I had promised. Uh, so it's still a nice review. Five stars, man who can't even play. This is his name Raiders review. Poor Kyle, big fan of the show. Listen every day from down under been a Dolphins fan for 20 plus years. Keep up the good work. Found the last podcast, Dolphins versus Raiders game review. Very disappointing. No one wants to lose. And I get the frustration, but I thought there were a lot of positives to come out of that game and it wasn't all gloom and doom. Wilkins plays well. Gasecki finally has a strong performance. Offensive line played better. Waller was shut down. He killed us last year. The fight from the team, the character they showed was really impressive. Austin Jackson, apart from penalties, played better. Byron Jones made some big plays or Brandon Jones just, just says B Jones last week. The dolphins got smacked 35, nothing and look completely broken to see such a strong improvement in that one week shows the good coaching uh, team that they are. The expectation that the team should be throwing deep downfield this week is unrealistic. Shirley Brissette needed a few snaps to find his way, letting it loose. Uh, chin up. This team will work it out. Win next week. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. Everyone be careful with mirrors against the Colts. And then big Raquan Davis, hopefully, will be back for the run. D. And then Tua comes back with a fixed offensive line. Let's hope so. I like that optimism. And obviously, it's funny. We, I talked with Joe Rose last week, and he kind of said it took about till Wednesday uh, for him as the fan to get over a loss. On any given week. And I love the fact that that Joe is so passionate about the Dolphins. It makes it talking football with him really, really enjoyable. But um this this week for me was like Wednesday night. Uh what it's it's Thursday night now. And this is the first day of the week I've worn dolphins car. Like it this one stung. Like last week it was like I was numb to it because of how surreal and it was and, and how ugly it got. Uh this week was like it was there. And that that was the same kind of taste that I had when the Buffalo game in week two last year, where it's like Miami, these are high stakes games and you had it and it it escaped you. And that to me is more frustrating. Like I'm over a 35, nothing loss. I'm not over it, but I've digested that it's going to be a loss when it's 14, nothing. You can't move the ball. You've turned the ball over on downs a couple of times and your backup quarterbacks in. So, I kind of I hope that explains my perspective and the tone that I had uh after the Raiders game versus the the tone of the Bills game. We got to a lot of comments here and um going to make sure we get as many of these in as we possibly can but not before I tell all of you about my friends over at Get Upside. It's an incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about Get Upside listeners of this show are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you can get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back on your first tank. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash, cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are saving as much as $200 to $300 a month. There's no cash catch. The cash goes right back into your account and can be transferred to your bank account, PayPal, e-gift cards, such as Amazon or other Browns. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. All right. Let's get into these live questions here. Troy wants to know. Why the offense has a mindset of take what the defense gives us instead of attack the defense. I think this kind of goes back to they don't want to risk the negative plays. And I understand that's a point of emphasis. But you got to trust the guys that are out on the field. And maybe that's part of the problem, too, is we've heard a lot from coach Flores over the first three weeks about execution. The guys aren't executing on both sides of the ball. Well, guys on defense are getting out of their gaps, trying to make plays Uh, offensive line up front. They're not executing. So if they're not executing what they're supposed to do, that probably kind of has this snowball effect where then it's like, all right, well, if you're not going to do what we're going to ask you to do, then we're not going to try to do anything ambitious, but that's not a sustainable way to play the game. Right. And I think we all know that. And I'm sure the coaching staff knows that. So how they choose to try to navigate that uh, is something that I'm really interested to see. Obviously we're going to have a chance here in a couple of days to see how they handle the Colts, um, which is a good segue to question from Steve. Kyle, in your opinion, how much does our percent chance to make the playoffs drop with a loss to the Colts on Sunday? Feels pretty drastic to me looking at the schedule and the way things and the way we are playing. So this is based off a 16 game schedule, not a 17 game schedule. But if my memory serves me correctly, if you lose and start the year, if you start the year one and three, you have, I think, a 16% chance to make the playoffs. If you start the year two and two historically over the last 10 years, uh, that 16% is instead like 42%. And everybody started the year with a 44%. So if you get to two and two, it's like, okay, first quarter of the season, it's a push. Like you're exactly where you started in week zero. But if you lose and you go to one and three, your playoff hopes are absolutely on life support. Next question. Oh, here we go. Another offensive line question from Paul. How would you reshuffle this offensive line? Okay. I'm glad you asked. Let's go through it. If I were setting the offensive line, I've seen enough from Austin Jackson, and I understand the ramifications of pulling him and putting him on the bench, but I would probably put Liam Eikenberg at his natural spot at left tackle, which is where he played started for three years with Notre Dame. I would want Solomon Kinley in there at left guard, um, unless, and this is kind of, I have no substance on this at all. Um, the fact that he was the first guy to get the poll makes me wonder if there weren't communication and call issues there uh, from an execution standpoint. If that's the case, I understand why he's out. If he's not executing the mental side of the game, I have no firm evidence of that. I just think it's curious to because physically, like he has so much power up front that is a, a really attractive quality to have. So, you know, if Solomon is, a okay with you know his calls and what he's supposed to do up front. And he's he, he's working to the right guy on depending on the front and, and where the defensive tackle's lined up over top of him. And I'm willing to live with his limitations as a guy who can climb and get up to the second level or can work out in space in the screen. So if that's the case, then I would the left side of my preferred offensive line would be Liam Eikenberg at left tackle, and then I would put Solomon Kinley at Uh, Left guard, Michael Dieter, I'm good with him at center. I'd probably take Robert Hunt and push him back out to right tackle. And then I would have kind of a free-for-all for for that right guard spot, whether it is Jesse Davis or if it's going to be, we want to try Austin Jackson inside. Um, Probably not expecting Austin to take command of that spot. So I would expect Jesse would win it. Uh, but my tackles would be Liam on the left and Robert on the right, if it were me, just based on my personal evaluation of players from both their time in college, which is a nice thing about the work that we do over the draftnetwork.com, and uh, my evaluation of them as members of the Miami Dolphins. Dylan, here's the big, the big question, and I've seen him alluded to, seen this name alluded to uh, a number of times here on the stream. Must win on Sunday. If they lose, would you be surprised to see Miami get Deshaun Watson within the following 24 hours? Right or wrong, fair or not, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, this is obviously something that I know a lot of the uh, very aligned with Tua Tongvaloa Dolphins fans you know, seem to still want to think this is like fake news or like, Every, all the sports journalists went to like the Sports Journal convention and decided the fake news story of the year was going to be that Miami potentially had interest in Deshaun Watson. Like, But the, the people that are reporting this now, including Jay Glazer, who came out this evening and, and said Philadelphia is not involved uh, and it's up to Houston for when this gets done, directly when asked if Watson would be a Dolphin seven days from now. He said it's up to the Texans at this point. Uh, the interest is real. And I don't want to get too far down the Deshaun Watson rabbit hole, obviously, until we have to, uh, because this is a Dolphins podcast. It is kind of still speculative at this point in time, but like th- this ain't fake news guys. Like it's, it's not. And it would not surprise me if, you know, it it becomes apparent that this season is going to come off the rails a little bit or not go the way that we hoped it would with Tua Tagovailoa right or wrong, fair or not, and it wouldn't be fair from an evaluation perspective to Tua to Tangevaloa, that the team would make a change. Next question. Well, not a question, an observation from said, I look like MacGruber, which is a hilarious movie, and I'm going to absolutely positively take that as a compliment, so thank you. Joe, when should the Dolphins hit the panic button? I mean, I, I I already think, based on the small sample size that we have, that this season is not going to materialize the way that a lot of us hoped. Um, now, what it becomes from here, I think it is important to remember that every Dolphins team under Brian Flores uh, in 2019 and 2020 has gotten significantly better from the start of the year to the end of the year. This is still a team that has a lot of young guys on it. I expect the f- the product in November looks better than the product in September and the product in January, uh, except for what happened last year when they played one game in January, uh, looks better than the product in November. It's how high is the ceiling, and that's why I really wish we would have still got to see Tua to Tagovailoa in that Bills game to see how he and his performance evolved throughout the course of that football game when they came out and they gave you double birds and they said, we're going to blitz the hell out of you. Go ahead and get us out of it. I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but my expectations have also shifted because I was a guy who, who thought this was an 11-win team coming into the year. I don't know that they're going to get 11, but I do know their strength of schedule the rest of the way is the easiest in the NFL. You still got a tough game against Tampa Bay. You still got to play the Bills again. You got to play the Ravens. Look through the rest of it. Like Look through the rest of the schedule. So that's one thing Miami did do a good job. I thought of last year, which was they beat the teams that you looked at the schedule. Once you realized, Hey, this team's pretty, pretty good, pretty solid. They beat the teams except for Denver that you perceived at any given point on the schedule. Yeah. They should win that game. Like the losses down the stretch, the nine and three stretch, the losses were to Denver, uh, Kansas city and Buffalo. They beat everybody else along the way. If that parlays itself out again, this might win. This team still might win 10 games, but they're not ready to, in my opinion, you lose 35, nothing, you drop one of the Raiders on the road. It's a tough loss, uh, but you lose the Buffalo 35, nothing. You're not ready for that next leap that we thought that they were aligning for. And that that's the hard pill to swallow. Uh, But if they start losing some of the other games, you know, they, they come out, they lose to Indianapolis this week. We're expecting a loss against Tampa Bay, as we should. Uh, They lose to Jacksonville in London. Like then, I'm I'm going to be on red alert, and I'm going to be beat red, burning mad here on the podcast. And nobody wants to see that, so let's hope it doesn't come to that. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like candy bar. These things are absolutely positively delicious. They are top of the first round protein bars. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They got 100% chocolate on each and every one of their bars. They got a bunch of different delicious flavors to choose from. So whether you're looking for something keto friendly, something to grab and go, something in your golf bag, something in your work bag, something in your briefcase, something in your nightstand, something in your glove box, something in your cabinet, you name it, Back pocket, Bill Bar could be it. I don't think you could fit one in your wallet, but you might as well try. See if it works for you. Let me know how that goes. Uh, right now, you can visit BillBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BillBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Pat, my guy, with a question regarding Michael Dieter do you think every prospect should get the same amount of developmental time and investment that Michael Dieter did? So if you're not familiar with Michael Dieter's path, he was a third-round selection by the Dolphins, this Dolphins regime in 2019. Started 15 games his rookie season because they needed warm bodies up front. Was benched and, and sat his entire second year and is now the Dolphins starting center. He started at left guard for 15 games in 2019 and plays pretty solid. Uh, he he's been pretty sturdy in both phases, you know, run blocking and pass blocking, Michael Dieter has. So I've been impressed. And in a utopian world, yes, that that's the entire appeal of you know stability within your organization. When we talk about this Dolphins team wants to be a draft and develop franchise or at least that's what it's perceived to be with their sales pitch of we're going to build through the draft well that means you got to have enough stability to draft and develop the players you're still not going to hit it at a bat a thousand uh you never do um but I think Michael Dieter is a nice embodiment of what this can be um if you feel comfortable and confident in the direction of the franchise long enough to continue to maintain the, the top people at the top of the organization for an extended period of time. And you think about Pittsburgh, like Kevin Colbert's been there forever. Mike Tomlin's been there forever. Pittsburgh's had three head coaches since like the Kennedy administration, right? It was Chuck Knoll. Um, and then it was um, the chin. Why the heck? Bill Cowher, my lord, need a little Monster Energy drink here. And then was Mike Tomlin. Like that's Pittsburgh head coaches since like 1960. Like that is a living embodiment of stability within your organization. Now Miami's had a really hard time with that. And right or wrong, there's some enthusiasm or pressure or uh, heat being placed on Chris Greer, and obviously the misses and, and perceived misses that were had. Um, early in the 2020 draft are a black mark on his resume that uh, is going to make it, we'll we'll see how much patience Steven Ross is, is willing to display. But I would also say this, you don't really get the vibe that there's a lot of patience. Steve Ross came out after they opened up the new facility and said, yeah, it's time to win now. I did my part. I wrote the checks. We built the world-class facility. It's time to win now. And like he said it tongue in cheek, but like he really didn't like, He's the 81-year-old owner of the Dolphins. He's owned the team for 10 years. They haven't won Jack, right? Like, there that pressure does exist. It absolutely does. Roger. I've been a fan for 40 years. Since Coach Chula retired, we have not had a stable staff. All the great teams do. We need to be patient, love my fins, and locked on Dolphins. Five stars. Thank you very much. Um, Pat, I'm not going to acknowledge that dumbass song that – the team up north plays. Um, so you you can keep that comment to yourself. Sorry to say. Uh, OG Highway, by the time we are able to compete, will Howard still be elite? If not, do you see him on the team next year? This is a great question. Um, I don't have a good answer here. Obviously, they, they've kind of have a handshake agreement that they're going to come back to the negotiating table uh, this offseason and kind of revisit his contract and potentially rework it. Uh, if, if Zavian is able to stay healthy, I will be in support of working to working up the chain from a payroll perspective to, to keep Zavian satisfied with his compensation, because if he's able to post consecutive uh, healthy seasons with the turnover production that he creates, he is invaluable but at the same time, it's like you got to be kind of careful with this because he's getting close to 30 years old. And 30 years old is is not typically a kind age to corners, particularly those who uh, have the injury list, particularly with knees that Zavian has. So that's a really complicated question. And um, I don't have a good answer, unfortunately. Um, but it is something I'm wary of. Ohio John. Has Malcolm Brown moved into Savannah Ahmed's spot on the running back depth chart? This is interesting to me. Obviously, they, they tried to justify moving Malcolm Brown up in the depth chart uh, in week three against the Raiders. They said they wanted to get a little more physical. I would like to see some more of Savannah Ahmed in general, to be honest with you, but if you're going to get that, that means you have to run the ball. And they still have it like they came out and they run the ran the ball successfully against the Raiders early on. And then I think I saw they ran the ball in the third quarter four times and they started the half, they were winning. And like, they just, they elected to just not run the ball. So I thought they got good push up front against the Raiders too. Uh, Obviously the long run by um, uh, Malcolm Brown to to score the touchdown on the short field. Uh, Obviously you would have liked to have seen them on the third and fourth and short, uh, get a little bit more push up front. Uh, They came back to the well with Malcolm Brown and asked him to stick his foot in the ground and make a cut, make a guy miss, and get upfield and convert a first down. And he didn't do it again. So I'd probably put that one on the shelf if I'm being honest, regardless of whether or not he is in Savan Ahmed's role or not. Let's see. Edgar got a couple more time for a couple more. So if you got got some in here and I skipped over them and I skipped over a big body in the middle here because uh, we are obviously running up against the clock here. But if you have any last minute ones, please dump them in now. Edgar, what needs to happen this season in order to be completely back on track, heading in the right direction and positive vibes from everyone? Well, it it feels like the Watson rumors are just going to be a black cloud that exists until there's a resolution one way or the other. For the vision that everybody hoped this was going to look like at the end of the year, Tua comes back from IR, plays at a high level, the team wins 11 games, goes to the playoffs. I mean that's still on the table. there's 14 games left to play. you're one and two. Uh, if you can win 10 if you can go 10 and four over the next 14 games or even nine and five, potentially it'll get you in. Uh, AFC's kind of a crowded mess right now and two of plays at a high level you no know, i i think that there's something to be said for improving upon what you did last year you won 10 games you didn't go to the playoffs so that's kind of the pathway for me is you got to win 10 plus games and make the playoffs and potentially win a playoff game and if you do that i think you can can look at the tra- tra- trajectory of the team and justify everybody being back but of course this early start has not brought the results that we thought we were going to see as evidenced by Mike saying the rebuild failed miserably. This is not a powerhouse team. I don't think it's failed miserably. I don't think we're where we want to be. Uh, but as we said a little earlier in the show, you know, there, there's a lot more flexibility from a team building perspective from cap. You still have extra draft picks at your disposal at this current point in time into the future to play with. I think Miami needs to entertain stop building through the draft with draft picks at this point, at least in the first round, they've killed it on day two. So take these first round picks and do what the Rams do. You know, invest those in known assets. The cap's going to grow potentially $35 million this year. They're in line to be top three in spending power in the cap. And do you trust Chris Grew to make the decisions on what to spend that money on? That's the million dollar question. If the answer is no, then you got to make a change. Uh, but I think that right now... Is the significant legacy of this era uh, for where they're better than what they were before? But if you came into expectations this year and said this team's got to be Super Bowl contender in year three of the rebuild, um, then then yeah, I can see how you can feel that that the rebuild has failed and, and failed miserably and flopped. Troy, going to my first NFL game and I picked the last game of the season. Still a wise pick. You'll have fun. It's, you know, I'm assuming that means you're going to Miami in January to see them play the Patriots. Divisional game against the Patriots. There's always going to be something to be engaged in in that environment because we hate the Patriots. Uh, I'm going to be real banged up to see them start the year one and three. It's going to be real heartbreaker to watch them join the ranks of everybody else and realize what it's like to be stuck in purgatory after your glory days have passed you by. Um, Okay, yeah, uh, TLC here. Let's get two more. Uh, Trent Dilfer accidentally called Charlie Fry the play caller on the Rich Eisen show recently. What are the chances Fry actually becomes the play caller next year? I think that's a really fast trajectory. He was an offensive coordinator for Jim McElwain at a directional Michigan college like last year to make that big of a jump in that short amount of time. Um, I'd be surprised. I would be. I, I do think the way that it's structured now is geared towards having some stability, assuming they don't feel like they need to make more changes. And I know that's a big sticking point and a frustration point for a lot of Dolphins fans, but um, we'll, we'll see how they they align themselves at this point in time. Let's go ahead and... Shut it down there. Uh, see a couple of the questions from Ryan and Chris, and and I see your your questions, guys. Do appreciate it, but it's Thursday night football. We got some football to watch if you're here on the YouTube live stream, which a bunch of you are. So thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit like on this video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the audio version on Friday, make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins by hitting subscribe on the podcast feed. Appreciate you guys checking out the show fins up. Let's go get a win. Going to have more shows for you this week. Don't worry. We're not done here, even though it's power to the pod on a Friday. Uh, We got a couple more podcasts yet to pump out yet. So keep an eye out for those on the podcast stream. Enjoy the rest of your night slash. Enjoy your Friday. Thanks guys.